0: How many times have you watched? I just keep it on loop.
1: (laughs) At home, at the office, just constantly running in the background. It's cold out here with all of these zones.
2: The fire and these zones will keep us warm. I
0: was going to say we need a nice red priestess to warm us up. We've been burning owns all night to keep us warm, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us in this second episode of the week. Something we tend to do during season's high time, and it Mm -hmm. sure is.
2: Uh huh. This is quite nice. Whereas our first episode takes place right after we've seen the episode for the first time, this episode, a little later on in the week, has given us some time to kind of reflect on our discussions previous and reflect on all of the ownage because we have, as mentioned, collected all of your owns uh, that you've sent us that you were so kind to share with us. And we will be sharing it right back at you.
1: And hot damn, I'll say, there are more owns than <laughs> there damn, are that's Western. Robert's
0: <laughs> bastards. <laughs> and that's that's true. a lot of owns. That's there are more true. than 20 owns. Yeah. We've had time to rewatch we've had time to rethink our initial opinions not that they have changed not that our feelings are any different mm-hmm. but there's a lot to soak in whether it be conversations across various websites under various headlines about various topics we're here to reignite and rediscover everything that was in the season's premiere
2: I still can't believe we're doing flashbacks. <laughs>
0: I feel like this is a flashback to our last episode. Go on. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah.
2: I know I know. that's where we started our last episode at, but I, I still can't believe that's a thing that's happening or did happen. Now – there was uh, another uh, benefit of of being uh, re- you know recording a couple days later is that we do actually have uh, you know some news that we could touch on and stuff. But apparently uh, David or uh, you know what I got to. Go I believe to the it source. was David Benioff. David uh, said that it wasn't a flashback, <laughs> and and actually he was he's right. Technically he's right um, because the episode opened with it. It it wasn't something where they flashed back to young cersei. So maybe there haven't been flashbacks on Game of Thrones yet.
0: The scene was at the start of the episode and I I suppose that doesn't technically make it a flashback, which makes sense because we we moved forward from it rather than it being interlaced between things that we're seeing. So technically, you know, it was it was sort of the opener, it was the very beginning of season 5 and then from there Cersei was obviously marking that it was current time. You know, mm-hmm. I I I get that It technically doesn't have to have the term flashback associated with it, but I don't think that the implication of flashback is necessarily what people are driving in just... You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that people are strictly concerned with it being the mechanic of a flashback. I think people are just right. attaching a word to it because that's what they know what to call it. What they know what to call it, things like that.
2: That's true. I mean, it was a window into the past in the form of they actually cast a younger version of an existing character.
0: I- I'm going to call it a
1: flashback. Okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> then you would be the same as Sue the Fury over on Watchers on the Wall, who also said the same thing following that news. But- yeah, I
1: mean, I don't think we should s- focus too much on... On whether uh, it was a flashback, whether it was a prophecy as some others have uh? termed it. Which, yeah, based on what we hear from Maggie the Frog, there is certain events that she brings up that do come to pass that we can certainly talk about uh, a little bit more in depth in this episode. Uh, but I would just say let's not get hang- hung up on, right. on whether or not... <laughs> This what this is termed as you know, what is it classified as because I think probably what drove a lot of this discussion was knowing that this was a quote unquote flashback. Could we expect more right this season? Right. Could we expect more in the future? There's so much rich rich history that exists in Westeros mm-hmm. uh, that we get from the books. So certainly they could take some liberties and decide in the future to continue along this road. So that's probably what David Benioff was trying to hedge against a little bit uh, by
0: by clarifying all of this. It's probably just the fear of having the term flashback associated with the show, if that's not something that they really plan on on incorporating altogether too much. You know, like, I understand, because it's technically, if it's not being put into being during the middle of the story and then coming back and forth from it, it how is it necessarily a flashback like if it's if it's an establishing scene at the top of a of a season is that mm-hmm. much different it's it's interesting, but the like I said earlier, the mechanics of it really don't matter. At the end of the day, it was a scene from the past with a character that we know from our current timeline, and all we've ever known in the show so far is our current timeline. So really, it's a treat, and I hope that it's a treat that they don't take away. I hope that it's a treat that they <laughs> utilize later on, because it's it was really, really fun.
2: They can't take it away. I've got it on my HBO Go.
0: <laughs> it was fun, though, right?
2: It was a lot of fun, yeah. Um, I know we mentioned on on Monday's episode that the uh, the actors did an amazing job, but uh, just watching that, I watched that scene a couple more times, and yeah, she's she's amazing. And now that I know to know what to accept, uh, that, that who it is, you know, I, I'm right. able to appreciate the scene even even more. It just continues to to blow my mind. And that woman and her prophecy, I just don't even know what to do with it.
1: Right. So let's focus on the fact that it is prophetic, and that right, Cersei now knows what her future holds. And there's a number of different lines that we can analyze a little bit more in detail. One thing to note, though, is that the context of what is being said, while holding true in part to what takes place in A Feast for Crows, the whole prophecy is not included in the show. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to point that out. And obviously we won't touch on what's not included because I don't think that that... Is fair to bring up uh, mm. to those who have not read the book, uh, but you. it's it's a fairly important piece, uh, t- at least to
0: what one would expect to be Cersei's endgame. Something that you're saying is, is likely to be in the story.
1: Definitely likely in the story. Mm. So uh, I, I would think that that, unless the show is going to change it, mm. it would seem as if the show didn't seem didn't find it as important to include. So I'm interested to know why that is. Uh, but we do get a good amount of information, uh, about, you know, who she's going to marry, which obviously has already taken place. Right. Uh, what is to happen to her children as opposed to the King's children, uh, and that she is going to be brought down, uh, by somebody far more beautiful, uh, than herself and younger and younger.
0: Yeah. Well, that's subjective, right? <laughs> Not Wait, young Younger? <laughs> younger is not objective. <laughs>
2: younger is factual.
0: I noticed that the scene, the way it left off, was sort of cliffhanger. We got that amazingly powerful drum of bass with the blood droplet. I think that it was just cut a little short. I think that the prophecy happened to her. We just didn't have it captured in the show, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool with, with prophecies because you look at those lines that you already recognize as having come true and it lends credibility to the other half.
0: Exactly. You, know,
2: you you want to believe it's like Danny's uh, the prophecy given to Danny by uh, various characters, depending on if you're reading the book or seeing the show. But um, that she will be betrayed for love and for gold and for blood. It's uh, continually in the back of our mind to try and figure out who you know who has already betrayed her and which of those three categories they fit, and then you cross it off and kind of continue. So for Cersei, whatever. Part of the larger prophecy has not yet come true, such as Tommen and Myrcella's, uh apparent demise is something that that is something to not look forward to, but something to expect. And that's what makes me uneasy, but in a really cool way, because it's like, I don't want this to happen. If that's the way they're going, man, it sucks to be Thursday, But it has been prophesied, and the rest of this stuff has come true. So now I'm going to be... Basically, um, eating up every scene with Marcella, every scene with Tommen uh, this season because I'm not, I'm just going to prepare myself to not see them around much longer.
0: And I, I think that's the purpose of this. Obviously, George incorporates this sort of behind the bars, overarching anxiety. Like you said, having this knowledge about Daenerys. And we've had the same sort of anxiety in the show from what Bran has seen in the early seasons and from what characters like Quaithe have said to Jorah, and from knowing what people like Jorah do, in essence, we have this knowledge above some of the characters, in like this case with Cersei, that she actually knows about herself, but we also know alongside her. That gives us sort of this knowing anxiety about the future. So yeah. I, I think we're supposed to appreciate a little bit more the Marcella and Tommen scenes this season because yeah. of it. I think it is
1: supposed to make you anxious because... After all, this is how the season is beginning. Right.
2: Right. It's a heck of a technique to use to get us to care about those two characters.
1: Sure. This scene, flashback or categorized otherwise, it's beginning the fifth season. And clearly there's a level of importance to that fact alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that you should have a sense of foreboding anytime you see Tommen, Tommen, or Marcella. at least right now, I think we can all agree, based on the position that she is in, Marcella is probably in more danger than Tommen is.
2: Well, uh, do you take Prince Oberyn's word for it or not that do. Dorne does not hurt Prince children? Oberyn is dead. That's yeah. true.
0: That's very true. What he said about Dorne it gives us, and, and Tyrion's always said, and of course we've always just thought of it in general as a, as a safer place, but what has happened has happened. So I think that our preconceived notions aren't necessarily respectable mm-hmm. in this case. Mm-hmm. Lots of things are changing the world of Westeros. Um, I'd like to think that she's safer there. And at this point, she's definitely having a better time because King's Landing is kind of a depressing place to be a Lannister or, a, excuse me, a Baratheon.
2: Well, here, here's an interesting uh, question, uh, just again about the prophecy, but uh, it said your children will, will wear a golden crown. Blonde hair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was thinking, is she going to be, like, queened before she dies or princessed? Or does a princess wear a crown? Yeah, okay, just blonde hair. Or it hair. could right. be that. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great point is that it's open to interpretation. You can well, right, it's yeah. importantly hair, yeah. Or you can view it as a physical I mean, I crown. think it
2: means hair. I think it means hair. That's very obvious. Like, now that you said that, Zach, it's like, oh, of course. It's- However, well, that mean-
1: changes the context of it a lot because then – gold shall be their crowns and gold their shrouds, they could just die at, at any point. It doesn't have to be
2: well, they are Lannisters, in the immediate future. Yeah, but I mean, Robert's bastard children were killed and probably never got a shroud put over their face uh, You know, at the end.
1: No matter the point that they die at, though, whether they're children or they are oh, that's interesting. 20 or 30 years old, Cersei right. will still bear witness to this. Uh, that is what is very, very clear is that she will see her children
2: So she will live long die. enough to see every, those she loves perish. That's
1: the way that I interpret it, yeah. Interesting. Right. And one other thing from the book I wanted to bring up, and it was a slight difference, and I don't know if it means anything or it was just that the show wanted to work with a number that would be a more easily remembered. Uh, they they make a point of saying that Robert had 20 ch- bastards. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, it's six and ten. Give or take a few, okay. though, right?
2: Yeah, so they added four <laughs> bastards to the show.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I, again, I don't know if that is just reading being, too much between the lines, or right. there's uh, an important fact or piece of information that is being left out of the books. That That's interesting. Four other bastards floating around you in know, Westeros. You co- know, I
2: complained about uh. I didn't really complain. I mentioned that Gendry was not seen um, in in ye- yesterday's episode, but he is a bastard of Robert, so he's got that going for him. Maybe he was th- maybe he was subtly name dropped in uh, in the opening scene. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that.
0: We have that small victory, Eric.
2: I mean, there's because there's there's <laughs> bastards from our read through of the books. There's there's a bastard mm-hmm. at the Erie, even yeah. right. Um, I'm mm-hmm. forgetting her name. Mya name Stone. is escaping me. my Stone, uh, who we know is you know, his and is still alive and she's not in the show. And I don't think she will be in the show because the show is no longer even at the Eerie. Um, But it's -hmm. interesting to kind of keep track of those uh, fellas.
1: Yeah. So there is plenty to wait and see uh, in terms of this prophecy. What comes to pass? Could parts of it be a little bit ambiguous and maybe not have the end results that we are anticipating? I'm sure on Watchers and and other websites and places throughout the web, there are hundreds if not thousands of theories uh, surrounding something uh, like this because it's open to interpretation. And it's one of the things that uh, a lot of the listeners wrote in
0: asking us to discuss uh, this episode. I'm still so moved and shaken that you know you're, you're talking about this being another prophecy in the series that has lots of speculation i know that we've uncovered a few during our read-throughs uh when the season isn't in play mm-hmm. i'm still just a little bit like oh i cannot believe we're talking about things that are brand new like this you know yeah it's just it's kind of i don't know it's crazy
1: what's really important about this though and it, it's true of all prophecies is that they influence the actions of the people who hear them yeah. Uh, and we see that throughout literature and one thing that I uh was able to take away from the episode that we did on Sunday and both of you raised the point and I thought it was an excellent awesome point listening back to it was that it's really influenced the way that Cersei has treated others yeah. that have come into her mm-hmm. life specifically Absolutely. young women and it it is probably in large part uh the reason why she treats Sansa the way that she does, uh, the reason she acts the way towards Marjorie that she does.
2: The bottom line is: this is like public service announcement. Treat your local nut treat treat your local uh, crazy seer. person, your local seer. Uh, thank you, your your local shack seer, um, with respect. Because I feel like, I like how she- he
1: said, treat your local crazy person with respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Like, don't underestimate the power of crazy people with uh, fires and and cat teeth and rumors about them. I don't know. Just treat your seers with 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 more respect. I feel like if she were nicer to this woman, maybe she would have gotten a nicer prophecy out of her.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe it was all bullshit, right? Maybe yeah. she just guessed that she would marry King. Maybe she just guessed. Well, that king's gonna sleep around because most kings do. He'll have a lot of bastards, and maybe she said, "You'll just have three kids," and so Cersei, self-fulfilling prophecy, psychology-wise, she just Stopped had three at kids. Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: yeah. Well, well, and we know um, this is from a rewatch, but she had a, a boy with Robert, and it's it's really questionable to me, at least in my mind, whether or not she murdered that child.
0: And if she did, would it count?
2: Would it count? Well, it died. Uh, regardless whether or not she killed it, and then her subsequent children were all blonde. She talks about it. Uh, the first child maybe once or twice. Even, with Catelyn in season one, I remember. I think with Catelyn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder. If but, I... uh, regardless, I mean, so that she's she's birthed four children at, at the very least. So, we we can use you know that knowledge to influence the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Very interesting.
1: And. As mentioned, that was one of the topics that several people asked that uh, we discussed. Yeah, including Wenda the White Fawn, who is a great <laughs> Wenda. Uh, contributor to the show. Uh, a couple of other topics she brought up, in addition to the prophecy surrounding Cersei, was Tyrion meeting Danny and what those implications would look like. <sighs> Where the fuck hashtag. BriePod are going. BriPod, <laughs> oh, BriPod. Uh, I'm sorry. It's
0: definitely BriePod, but BriPod sounds cool. Yeah.
1: And then she ended it with a hashtag, pretty pleased with lemon
0: cakes on top. I'll sit your ass nicely.
2: Man, I want lemon cakes.
0: I would love a lemon cake or four right now. Yeah. Well, I'd love to speak about Brienne and Podrick.
2: Brienne seems to be giving up her quest, her sworn quest, which uh, was given to her by Jamie now, most recently, to you know, basically find and protect the Stark daughters. And Arya, it's not really Brienne's fault that Arya has grown up to the point where she doesn't need Brienne's protection. She's on her own path. She's on her own journey. And Sansa is also out of reach because she's under the protection and watchful eyes of um, Littlefinger. So a knight without a quest, I mean, I know she's not technically a knight, but she behaves like one. Um, You know, without it's a, a quest, what... What is the purpose? She's she's Is she going to do what we've seen her do before, which is come across a cause right. that, you know, I mean, I was, again, during the rewatch, but watching her go from Renly's uh, deathbed to just kind of chatting with Catelyn and within a couple scenes, and I know it was more prolonged um, than we got to see, but. Within just, just, just a few scenes later, she's swearing her allegiance uh, to Catelyn. And it's like, you know, and, and it was loyal and it was honorable and she kept her promise. But, you know, now that she's been sort of released, uh, at least by Arya, of her duties, is she going to seek out the next quest, the next um, protector? Is she just going to kind of sulk? Ah,
0: she's, she's feeling forlorn now.
1: It's hard for me to say where she's going because... She's deviated from her storyline in the books. We know that from last season because she never encounters Arya and the Hound. So Mm -hmm. I personally have no idea where she's going. I have no idea what she's going to do. And I think that that's, for a book reader, pretty interesting. And I'm looking forward to the growing, budding camaraderie between her and Pod and
0: (laughs) where it takes them. Will that happen is the question. She's very disgruntled at the moment. And it makes me question the passage of time because they were visiting with Jan Royce, and I'd like to think that it was a bit of time after what happened at the Erie before they decided to take young Robin out and leave him with someone else in the Vale. Mm -hmm. So you got to ask yourself, why are... And they established that the the timelines are very uh, intertwined with each other because they physically showed... The horse carriage riding by Brandon Podrick in this exact right. moment, so they're at the same time. You have to ask yourself why Brandon Podrick are having this conversation now. Mm. The only thing that could explain it is that the meeting with Arya and Sandor was much after things that were happening past uh, when when they went to the Bloody Gate and were turned away. Mm-hmm. But they weren't far; the the geography was similar. So is this? It's 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 just. Why write this scene now? Surely this would have been the discussion where they're headed would have been a discussion maybe they had a day or two after everything happened with the fight. Right. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. not weeks cuz this is clearly weeks after Sansa is in a completely different state. Um she's speaking differently, she's feeling differently. Peter Baelish is feeling differently, speaking differently. Like I said, Robin is being dumped off somewhere. Like surely there was a grieving period. Surely there was a there were things happening at the Vale. So my question is the timeline. It's just I don't really I don't know how that plays into why she's acting this way to Brienne or why she's acting this way to Podrick because she was very very unhappy. I I forget the exact lines, but it was just like you know I'm not a knight, and of course you know she's feeling a little bit angry at herself for not I guess. Performing with the amount that she'd like to perform with, but I wish we could tell her, like Brand, you're doing a fine job. Yeah,
2: as you pointed out to me in the last episode, like she did beat the hound, like she, and that's that's she could collect uh, the bounty if she wanted to. She'd be a little uh, rich woman.
0: I doubt she feels good about that though, because I no. think that she knew deep down that this was not a terrible person. I think that she knew deep down. I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. But Arya wasn't exactly... Like, the fact that Arya ran and didn't go with her after the Hound was beaten, it's not that Arya didn't join Brienne because she was scared of the Hound. She clearly wanted to stay with the Hound. and She clearly wanted him to stay alive, and she clearly did not want to go with her. So it's like, not only did she probably hurt someone that didn't need hurting, but she also scared off the person she was supposed to be protecting with violence. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is not what she wants, and I think that Mm -hmm. has to do with a lot of why she's so upset. And she's taking it out on an easy target. Old Potter, rolling out his bed mat.
1: I I just remember last season, the scene between Brienne and Arya before uh, Sandra Clegane enters, and there's a level of interest by Arya as it relates to Brienne. And you can see that there's a moment between the two of them where... Arya could easily admire somebody like Brienne, learn from somebody like Brienne, but Definitely. then once the Hound comes in and joins the conversation, basically takes her down a couple of levels, ties her to the Lannisters.
2: He points out, yeah, the Lannister connection, which And once that was
1: put out there, forget yeah. it. Arya wouldn't go within 100 yards of
0: Brienne. Yeah. Maybe you mind. have to blame Pod a little bit there because he pointed out that that was the Hound. So maybe yeah, in the back man. of mind, Brand's kind of upset for calling the guy out just out of nowhere. Could that be. also wasn't very smart to do. Should have just let things chill. But they didn't really chill. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, I think as it relates to where they're going, though, I, all I can say is I think that you know Pod will continue to be a very kind-hearted, sort of leveling comfort <laughs> to Brienne. I don't. I don't think the uh, camaraderie or the the trust. Well, it won't be the same as with Brienne and Jamie obviously cuz Jamie was her captor for the most of uh, most of that um but you know with Brienne and Pod it has an opportunity to grow into something quite different and special in its own right but i think that that Pod ultimately going off of the show you know he is not safe in King's Landing and who knows what uh Cersei would do with Brienne in town uh because there were some very startling implications about uh, Brienne being in love with Jamie from the previous season so neither of those characters can go back to King's Landing. Neither of those characters have a future there. And so they're, they're going to have to just kind of find, find uh, forge their own way. And they have each other for company, even though they don't want it. But I think that Pod will be able to remind Brienne uh, that it's not all about, you know, fighting. That it is, uh, in fact, possible to still have some nice things in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: I think she just wants to see something that she's been tasked with actually turn out positively. Yeah, she yeah. got Jamie to King's Landing, but again, remember, he's Lost without the hand. a hand. Yeah, exactly. And then you go back to Renly, Catelyn, even Arya throws that in her face a little bit uh, why as to why, you, why she
2: didn't you protect her. Yeah, uh,
1: so yeah, that could be why she's so hurt. I think
2: you've unlocked it. I think you. I think that's spot on.
0: I'm feeling like a Duncan the Tall implication here, how he's just kind of, you know, I'm never doing anything right, essentially. And, you know, kind of the self-defeating talk, you know, that's just not good for your own personal growth or the attitude that you put out to others. And I don't know, I just, like I said before, Brian is someone that we greatly respect as viewers of the show, so part of the pain of watching this is knowing that You know, she's on the right track more so than anyone else, basically, that we're watching. And she's also with someone in Podrick, one of the best characters that George has written as far as from and from a standpoint of real virtue. Uh, This guy has not really, really done anything to warrant him to be considered less than true and awesome. Less than a squire. (laughs) Less than a very loyal squire. I mean, he's 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 done a lot of really great things. So we've got these two characters together together. And their unhappiness and their discord is just, you know, it's it's the the pain of watching them is knowing that it's not it's not they don't deserve it and it's not warranted. And Pod mm-hmm. doesn't deserve to be treated that way. Brienne doesn't deserve to be this upset, but it's what it is and it's it's what's happening. But the yeah, mention yeah. of going north to the wall, the mention of Jon Snow being there, the mention of Sansa having a brother there, um, Brienne shrugged it off. But I think that in this state with no other course I think that that's probably, going north is the likely conclusion.
2: I mean, Pod will probably press the issue, you think?
0: Well, what else does she have to attach to, right? Like, yeah, are they just going to walk around? And and we know that she would like a purpose. <laughs> what else What else do they have to attach themselves to? Like, is she going to go back yeah. to the Sapphire Isles? It'd be yeah. interesting
1: if she came across
0: Stannis. I
2: was thinking, I was thinking about it. Like, if she makes it to the Wall, she's probably going to run into Stannis. And right. And on one hand, he's a Baratheon, and... She supports the Brathians, kind of, but no, because Stannis killed his brother, who she loved. So there's that. Do you remember
0: her oath to Catelyn? She she basically made Catelyn promise that when it came time, she would allow her to deal with Stannis herself. You're right. That wasn't right. that was an oath that Catelyn made with her, and that is something that Brienne, I know, would love to see. Would love to see followed through, no matter what. So if they are heading toward the wall, it's just like, well, that's going to be interesting. Obviously, Stannis has an army around him, not to yeah. mention Davos Seaworth. I'd, I just maybe she's going to have to infiltrate, or because I don't <laughs> think I don't think Stannis was n- knew that she was on Renly's Rainbow Guard, and he didn't like hang out and discuss things like that with with right. Renly before the deed was done. So uh, if they do, if they do go to the wall, not just the snowy place, but they do go to the wall, and we assume that. Everyone is still there in this capacity, and they haven't they haven't gone forward to mess with the Boltons, or they haven't been sieged or attacked by other forces. If everything is how it is now, it'll be interesting. But I don't think that, however many episodes it takes for her to reach there, the things at the wall will be the same. So it is what it is. People That's listening, true. think well. Of, think on
1: Jenny it. Jenny uh wrote in, gave us her own. Uh, actually, didn't give us her her own. She gave Brienne her own to say for telling Podrick he's not really a squire and to buzz off.
0: Bam. There you go. Oh, poor, poor Podrick Payne.
2: No, I, I, it's funny because we talked a lot on Monday's episode about how we we all are pretty much in, in uh, we're pretty much game for what Stannis is trying to do. <laughs> you know, he's he's going to take care of the Boltons for us. So the very last thing I think he should have is an Oathkeeper through his heart right now.
1: And uh, Wenda also mentioned Tyrion meeting Danny, uh, but... I think we got a lot of uh, listeners who uh, sent us in similar types of questions. One was uh, about Varys' mutual friends with whom he met Illyrio, so that ties into the tyrian storyline now and then mm-hmm. jeff lightfoot our good friend and professor is he even a professor
0: is he a dean what he's is a professor it... in our hearts i think he's the dean of the universe's <laughs>
2: he's a professor in our
0: universe's <laughs> university on learning and goodness yeah. in the world he's the social studies department chair oh uh, okay. from the midwest and he's Got been it. writing in since of deep the midwest season of the entire midwest <laughs> and uh, uh, he's a good man
1: He said, Who else might be involved in the Varys Illyrio plot and what they initially hoped to see happen? Uh, Were they banking on Viserys? They could not have foreseen Danny being their savior. Uh, That's a very interesting point. It is. Uh, From a timing perspective, I know we touched on timing before, but when they were concocting this whole thing and planning between the two of them and possibly some others, I don't know that Danny was even on the radar uh, Mm. to be considered uh, the. Targaryen to, to take the Iron Throne back.
2: Well, no, I mean, just think about how Illyrio had arranged for the Dothraki to to wed her, basically sell her in, into slavery, um, just, you know, a different kind of slavery, but it was to get an army for Viserys. So yeah, they were, they, and I, I don't think Illyrio acted of his own, you know, knowing that there's this council that he sits on, that Varys is involved, I'm sure... That all of them were of that same mind, where they—they, they, you're probably right. Jeff is probably right too, that they—they they probably backed Viserys, and that that was what happened between Illyrio and hosting the Targaryens for so long as he did, and you know that what happened with Danny was all met with their their approval.
1: It's so interesting though, because Varys is spying on Daenerys and Viserys for a period of time for Robert. So I don't know if he just gave back selected information to them, mm. especially because at one point he has her uh, – he tries to get her killed.
2: Well, here's here's an interesting question then because – well, yeah, that's interesting, uh, both that he, that he allows that poison to reach her, we know, and Jorah swats it away. But there's also Jorah spying on her. I mean he's under the impression that he is the one who is delivering that information. And he is, and he gets a pardon for it, or unless unless that was forged. But either way, he's spying on her. But then Varys is also like super interested in seeing her succeed. We know he sits on this council or whatever it is, whatever you'd call it. So is Jorah just doing like double duty? Is he is he useless? Is he you know did they really need Jorah to spy on her if Varys was that interested um, and had Illyrio?
1: I'm just thinking by that point, ha- with Viserys dead, had Varys and Illyrio given up hope and didn't really care what happened to Danny? But once Danny started to gain power the way that she did uh, with her dragons uh, and taking all those slaver cities, mm. did they become reinterested in
0: yeah. her cause? V- Viserys wasn't dead at this point.
2: Uh, Viserys was dead by the time the dragons were born.
0: He was not dead by the time she was gonna get poisoned. That's true. Ooh. Interesting. It was rather brilliant for them to marry her as a gift to a call that would possibly gain them access to a rather large army that could possibly gain them access to the likelihood of some kind of actual revolt. Let's consider these guys like the equivalent of the Dark Brotherhood without all the assassinations. (laughs) (laughs) So we know Varys is part of it, and it makes a lot of sense this opening of this pitching for this marriage by someone, Illyrio, what does he have to do? It's said that he he supports the Targaryen cause, and we didn't really think much more of it because we didn't know a lot of the characters at the time. So if we're looking at this occasion properly, this could be seen as the attempt to establish Daenerys in her spot with the Kalsar, that makes a lot of sense because there was some time, etc. Let's say Danny is then taken out of the equation. What does the forlorn husband do, but take out the people that took out his wife.
1: There's so much here that is underlying that I really
0: can't talk about <laughs> <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Zach needs me wall. to say that. <laughs> Damn it. I well I feel like that's the only, I mean why else would they want to kill Daenerys rather than to stir shit up? Like she's out of the way now and all that's left is you know, the brother and the yeah. people that were betrayed essentially.
2: I I think I think she did. It makes sense in my mind that she suddenly became interesting after the dragons. Like, but it also makes sense that if there's if there's more than one person, if there's this you know small council, whatever you want to call it, uh, a group of interested uh, purveyors, <laughs> purveyors of successions of kings or whatever you want to call it, um, who are interested. They, doesn't it make sense that they would have a backup plan? And I don't just mean, oh, if Viserys dies, there's always his sister, because that seems like a harder sell unless she becomes the mother of dragons. But, um, you know, what kind of other uh, people might be out there? What kind of other options might be out there for these guys to. It almost seems like it seems stranger the harder you think about it that they would be able to affect any change because for the longest time it was only the Targaryens and 20 years ago, Robert changed that all for them to think even at that time that like, Oh, it's on the table. We can just change it again. You know, when, when, when these, when the Targaryen comes of age or whatever, it's, it seems like a stretch almost that they would even have that um, to be that bold to do it for somebody that isn't a Targaryen. So maybe they are, Talking through it now, maybe they are the um, the only hope of this uh, clan of this of this group of people. I just keep thinking. I looked up the quote of episode one: "Trusting your fate to a boy you hardly know." Like Viserys was a bad egg, and he would not have been a good king. I think everybody agrees. Um, they really lucked out in having now Daenerys as their champion.
0: It's true, but they couldn't have known certain details, and obviously, I don't think that they expected to need. A backup plan with Viserys. I don't think they expected him to die, especially not the way that he did, and not in the mm. situation that he did. So it's just kind of like almost fate that it all sort of came out this way. But I'm not sure who else they would have chosen in place of a Targaryen. I mean, a Targaryen would have been really the only option with such a fresh rebellion for other houses in the kingdom to rally around. I assume that these are people that have prowess and Implementing political change and political strife, so it probably would have began as something geopolitical in Westeros, where lords are being are becoming unhappy, and there will eventually need to be an answer to questions that are that are taking place. So whereas Varys is coming from the angle of the spider at the capital, and this really depends on whether or not Littlefinger is working with him, but like I, I, I'm assuming Littlefinger was doing all these things on his own, but he was definitely creating strife at the same time as varus and maybe varus you know knew this was happening and he saw this as well this is discord that could need an answer later and that's actually pretty lucky because i'm trying to do something that's going to take discord so it's it's strange (laughs) how it all just kind of is working together whilst the supernatural is coming back into the world in the way that it is it's just it's all really brilliantly written and obviously we're not talking about something that's real ladies and gentlemen even though we probably sound like we are talking about something that is real is very real to us. Like <laughs> right like imagine this but like this was all in the mind of a man we have to give props to for uh yeah. for putting together such a grand mystery really in a sense i mean i know that's not what this this story is billed as but this is a lot to take in and it's a lot to consider. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, just the scope of things running through my mind at this moment, talking about this, this group of men, including Varys, um, who had this plan. Like if you take little finger out of the picture, so nothing, nothing that he, uh, managed to happen came true. So John Aaron would probably still be around. Um, but, you imagine that uh Robert would have been killed by Cersei eventually, or he would have died of old age. Either way, you've got Joffrey on the throne. And Viserys, uh, who, you know, if Viserys had been had stayed alive, uh, somehow, Viserys I equate to Joffrey in a lot of ways. I mean, he was sort of uh manic. He mistreated Danny. He was physically abusive and otherwise. Um and I, I see him like you basically have it be, these people want to install Viserys over Joffrey, and they're pretty much the same. Or, I mean, maybe that's an overgeneralization, but I find a lot of similarities in the two characters when thinking about it. And I'm like, that's actually not that much of an improvement to install this Targaryen kid uh, over this Lannister kid.
0: They would have always had the card to play of incest as well to to yeah. announce Joffrey's oh, yeah. and in their back exactly, pocket. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they would have planned for Robert to to have passed. You know what I mean? Like he may have just been still in charge at, during the rebellion, like yeah. if there was a rebellion to take place. So I don't know. I'm,
1: I'm trying to recall the exact line by Varys uh, when he was talking about himself, Illyrio, and their mutual friends, and that once they had discovered the way that Robert was ruling, that they basically decided to invest in the Targaryen cause, and. My mind just goes back to at that moment, you're talking about Viserys. We talked about Danny. I just don't know that either of them would be suitable uh, to to take the Iron Throne back, and and to replace Robert and to rule in his stead.
0: Possibly suitable enough for them to control, though. I mean, they they made the wedding arrangement happen at least, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: we we have to ask what the motivations are for these people. We 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 think and know that Varus is kind of this strange character where he has a noble heart because a lot of things from his life were removed and he's someone that i don't know like like, again we we, we've always questioned his motives but the people let's just take him out of the equation for a moment the other people that work with him and maybe not even mentioning illyrio who clearly appears to be a very wealthy man and that was that was harshly thrown in our face i mean the guy has a has an outdoor patio essentially with a, a with a nice water mug. basin just sitting there in the middle just to wash your hands for the love of God like like who has that even now That's like, how they do it in Essos yeah, so got a water bath. so I'm saying the little the little like we 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 were shown that he's very wealthy so maybe mm-hmm. his motivations have a lot to do with acquiring more wealth and more power. Uh, and having a certain people having people in charge that he has control of—it's kind of like our current government. Really, ask yourself the same question. Yeah, having more people that are controllable versus the rebel Robert Baratheon would be better for their personal interests. But what about the other people? Is it all that they want is money as well? And who are they?
2: It's got to be prestige that comes from being uh from shaping and manipulating these rulers, right? It's it's about having control over who is the most powerful person in the realm that these people would sort of foster the Targaryen cause. They would take it upon themselves to foster the Targaryen cause in the hopes that their own personal interests are uh, rewarded. Whether or not, you know, they ever show their faces to their subjects, they did make certain things happen and, and they would be guaranteed uh, sort of return. It's kind of like what I want to say is that it's pretty much like Baelish, like what what Littlefinger is doing, but he's doing it alone and these people are doing it in a council, Like they're doing it with the kind of the same idea in mind, which is like you said, they want to install somebody they can control.
0: Mm -hmm. He clearly wants it for himself though. He just wants more power for himself, which he knows that he can do. So he's kind of like freelancing in a way, rather than going with the establishment. He's like, well, (laughs) you guys can control the government if you want. I'm just going to hustle really, really, really passionately and get exactly everything that I want. And he has Sansa. He has a carriage with men protecting him. He's doing all right right now. Yeah. What are the tangible things that these shadowy people want? I mean, apart from like what does it what do they gain? I think once we figure out what what is to be gained from controlling a kingdom like Westeros and all of the kingdoms inside of it, I think that that will give us an easier position of finding out who they are.
1: Yeah. You're talking about people from the east who are looking to have control in the west, right? Varys is from the east, Illyrio is from the east. And they're looking to have a hand in what's going on in Westeros. So uh, is it more of just control of a foreign land, or at least having a very influential hand in what's going on in a foreign
2: land? You know, I just trying to think Mm. about who these people could be, I mean, they have to be from the free cities, don't they? You get people like... Um, duck sauce in Karth, or even hell, let's <laughs> throw the spice trader into this. You know, just independent uh, gentlemen who have their own interests, but they're they're free to do that. You know, in the West, I I don't. What I what I'm trying to say is that I don't think anybody in the West could be part of this council because they all. I mean, there aren't not that there aren't people who who don't act on their own in in the fewer West, people but though fewer people they have it's all set up with you you know you're the bannerman of of this your your liege lord is this you re- report to so and so that kind of thing I mean unless you're north of the wall or or in Essos. You don't see. I I don't think you'd be able to get away with having the resources that it would take to even be part of a a secret society that is plotting, uh, technically treason. Well, I
0: I think what Eric's point is: we've got two different, and I I will boil it down to two, even though it's much more than two. But we have we've 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 been we've been shown so much of this, and I'm moving my hand to the right. So I'm looking at a Westeros, <laughs> a map of, Everybody, a map of, I, I'm everything, of everything. I'm seeing your hand. I'm picturing your hand. I'm waving and- to the right. We have this side of things that we've seen through Danny's perspective and now through Tyrion and Varys' perspective. And we have everything over here. And I'm moving my hand to the left, um, which is this kind of feudalistic, uh, captured much differently visually, and, and just people in general are different here, society, which is the Seven Kingdoms of, West- of Westeros and right. what's north of the wall. And it is completely different than everything that's happening on this side of things. And I think what you were saying, Mike, is that there's these people over here that are just like, all right, well, Westeros is a big place. There's a lot of people and people are worth more than anything. Really. Uh, there's also a lot of wealth there. I'd like to see what, we can do with this, because we're over here free, and this goes back to what you were saying Eric, the Spicer in the second season knew a lot about what was going on in Westeros he was very well educated, he he yeah. was on top of things, and that kind of, and we should have been taking hints then, and I'm sure that we all were, taking hints of their knowledge of Westeros is kind of like a hey, like these people are caring about what's going on in this sort of feudalistic That's society true. all the way across the narrow sea while over here we've got people that are much more self-interested they're family oriented there's less there's less brothels even though that's a big part of it i know that that's a that's a small point but <laughs> the the culture is vastly different and that breeds a different kind of leadership and it's sort of top down in that perspective so these people eric like you were saying there's they're less likely to be part of a secret society i don't think that that's necessarily the case but we certainly value them differently. Like we see them as powerful wild cards, like the Little Fingers, the Tywin Lannisters, the Olenna Tyrells. Like they're they're people that we see as lacking honor, whereas in the East, they're kind of just powerful people.
2: Right. No, that's that's exactly it. Um, I think it it's when trying to picture in my head who else would be on, you know, in this group of people, I just see a bunch of Eastern dudes with power, you know, self made men. Um, Baelish, I. I don't think Baelish ever got the invite.
0: Micah is saying is that there might be more people to the West as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say without saying. (laughs) Um, I
1: think you have to remember that the Targaryens ruled Westeros, and with that came people who were supportive of them. So... Why do you think just because they've gone away mm-hmm. that their supporters have gone away?
2: Well, that's the thing that's really the um, happening in the background, right? You know, Danny. It, it seems like empty words because we just haven't seen a scene where why? S- where somebody in the West is like, "Man, I wish we had some Targaryens back. Wouldn't that be awesome, son?" <laughs> yes, Pa. I really think the Targaryens should be back. You know, we haven't seen that, so it's like hearing Viserys tell Danny or Illyrio tell Viserys. That uh, they will rally to your cause. The whole West love you. They uh, we're in talks. We send letters, love letters about you. Um, you know, we just haven't seen a character. I think in the West say, "Gee, wouldn't that be nice?" Except there's Varys.
1: And one more question for you, because we've obviously talked about John at times during this show. Mm -hmm. Do you honestly believe that Viserys and Daenerys are the only Targaryens that could be out there? But well, we have theorized
0: it before. We know about R plus L equals J. Greg R plus Lyanna equals John. I mean, that's a, that's a very <laughs> popular theory, and we've gone far enough in the books to to speak about that out loud and kind of think about it with everyone. And all, all of our listeners are accustomed to this being a possibility. If John is a Targaryen, what does that mean?
2: I mean, we know he's not a dragon because he did get burned. I know I, I I like identifying people by because Danny has that special gift right I mean I I just I like identifying the true ruler or the true Targaryen if John's a Targaryen what does that mean because he may be able to be king but he can still be burned and Danny's got this special gift where she can't be burned like I don't know that's kind of special
0: it definitely was written into the book I mean for a purpose because I don't think that his burnt hand had a lot to do with uh, anything other than probably it yeah. being a faint of some sort so your point is sound but we could i mean it's as easy as explaining away that the magic wasn't powerful enough or he wasn't improvising enough to dragons or it would work you know what i mean like
2: he's half stark so he got half burned you know or (laughs) Or, or
0: when danny was in the fire like the danny being close to her dragon eggs and the dragons were being born like gave her the magic or whatever you know like it, it could it could be something that isn't just built in from blood like as we've seen They're getting their power from somewhere. All of these different magical sources. That's that's true.
2: Yeah, and so said Micah. You said uh, last episode, religions are 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 magic is manifesting itself in in all sorts of directions. Um, Yeah, and I think that was that was probably pretty on point.
0: There's lots of different interfaces for this magic. Mm -hmm. I've I've had such a good time talking about this. I feel like I hope those of you listening uh, have felt a little bit of a, i know i mentioned this last episode but a little a little bit of a therapeutic session to get thrown down i certainly feel a little better it <laughs> kind of feels like free free writing in a way you're just listing all of your thoughts out i feel so much more uh confident in what's happening in the world of West, westeros and beyond and i just think that obviously all of this is affected by history and this is just a progression of where history is and george has written a story where the world feels real and we can think about our own world and think about what led people to ever found a country on the continent of north america and where that will lead from and what again what led to it and what centuries in eons past took to become the place where we are today where we can make a podcast and speak out loud to you all about a story that someone else created like using all of those prompts and knowing what we know about our world uh it's i think it's important to apply that to the story because george has clearly that amount of polish on this story. So we might as well do the same. Very well put. This is our first follow-up episode to an episode of the new season. And so we're still kind of figuring out the format in which we'd like to see these things flow. Mm-hmm. But one thing we do know is there are several 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 owns that need to be gotten to
2: (laughs) we have combined all of the owns that we've received into a cauldron actually no wait what was it at the beginning of the episode campfire campfire we've got (laughs) it there's a cauldron on the campfire (laughs) but that's got the baked beans or the beans we have two fires oh two fire two fires okay all right
1: one for was, beans, one for owns. Yeah, one exactly. For beans and one for owns. So so they lentils. Little, I'm sorry, guys. I brought them from home. Yeah,
2: we've got our our little sack, and I'm, I'm imagining it's like, are you afraid of the dark, right? Call this meeting of the midnight society, mm-hmm. and then they throw the, the, the dust into the thing, and it makes a special... Anyway, we're doing that with your own, or we will. We will very shortly, but uh, we do want to thank this this feedback getting into um, the season that we've received, just the sheer amount of responses and how diverse they were. You've got 50-odd minutes of television, and people did not disappoint in their microscopic views and their own opinions. Nobody had the same own you know, precisely. So I I think it's, it's really a testament to how um, each one of us can find something unique that we like in the show. And also that each one of us um, really just responds differently to, to, to each of the things, but we all like it and we all think that it does own. I don't recall any tweets that I read saying there weren't any owns. (laughs) So we all, we all agree that this show is pretty
0: awesome. (laughs) And can I just say that this year I'm just blown away by the interactions because it keeps growing year after year. And one thing that I've been so, so happy to see is the cross-pollination of each other's zones. That's been such a fun thing to see you guys sort of finding what each other has to say so fun and to see thoughts from... One listener to another listener, be funny and yeah. to see the the, the, <clears throat> the sort of organic interactions build from there. It's really cool. Total,
2: oh, like own children come from uh, two owns meeting. <laughs> it's like, it's 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 gonna be. We're gonna need to have a whole different show geared towards younger owns. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> pretty soon. And we
0: hope to see this grow in the weeks to come. I'm just looking forward to reading all of these, to laughing a little bit, and I think. With that... Hand me that bag of owns, please. I shall throw them on the fire now. Thank you. Five. Four. Three. Two.
1: First own goes to Heather Churchill, who says, Wrigel and Viserion own Daenerys. That's what you get for being a bad mother. (laughs) The Lady Ash, own goes to Gilly for reminding Sam he can't leave the watch, even if he vowed to protect her. Angel Flores, own to Teenage Dragons, (laughs) F you, Mom, get out of my room. Get out of my room. Ruby Kennedy, own goes to Tyrion for passing his shit through a (laughs) hole in a crate. And Varys for throwing that shit overboard. Hashtag (laughs) shitwrecked.
2: We have already descended into giggles five bones in. This is going to be good. Shitwrecked is, is a wonderful hashtag. And Shraddha Nunziata says, Own to Jon Snow for being all Jon Snowy and giving Mance a peacefulish exit. Where's your Raylor now, Melisandre?
0: Rollerblades. Roller- <laughs> had to do it. Google it, folks. Courtney
2: Courtney Barr says, My own for the episode goes to Jon Snow for showing mercy and respect to Mance and giving him a quick death. (laughs) Hashtag suck it, (laughs) Lord of Light. There we go. Uh, Gil, Gil Pound says, Own goes to Danny, quote, I am not a politician, I am a queen. Also to her sexy bed hair.
0: Very, very nice. Good wig. Season
2: one wig. Yes. (laughs) And Gary Manis says, My own goes to Varys for always being handy with a quip and a crowbar. (laughs) Uh, hashtag, which is new, eunuch of many talents.
0: Hey, eunuchs are people too. Travis Cole says, "Wanted to give my own a Tyrion for chucking some more wine after throwing it up, but it's got to go to that boss move from Jon Snow." Blushy emoticon. Matt Workman says, "Cocksure Sam Tarley, I'm hardly in." the <laughs> because- <laughs> He's headstrong and cocksure. Where is it hard, the other way around? I'm hardly a new recruit. Eric Goding writes, my own this week goes to several eyes: to Mance's eyes for nearly making me cry at his death, to Marjorie's eyes for tracking Oliver out of the room, and of course to Tywin's eyes, which oh, I believe gosh. we can all agree uh, were much better than Joffrey's. So thank you for writing in
2: that one. There were a lot of eyes. Darn. Hmm. Yeah, everyone yeah. has
0: eyes that are in the show too, except
2: Oprah. <laughs> yeah, there's the ever ever burgeoning cast. But where are his
0: eyes?
1: And Eamon. Well, I guess he does. Mm. Uh, Jennifer Brandle or Bandle, I'm sorry, says owned to the three dragons finally being named on screen. True. I think Drogon was the only one, right, that really got much love. Rhaegar Viserion. They owned Danny and she failed to realize that her babies were just angry at her and not trying to kill her. The mother of dragons needs to remember that she is the mother of dragons. Does anybody else remember Pyat Pri saying "mother of dragons" like in that really Mm -hmm. creepy way? Mm -hmm. That's what I think of any time I hear "mother of dragons." (laughs) Fire and blood, not fear. Not fear, Danny. Snowlisi says all owns to hashtag Jon Snow (laughs) for not giving a fuck. (laughs) hashtag Game of Thrones Season Five. That's gonna give me something to
2: search tonight. hashtag Jon Snow. See what's up,
1: Felipe. Says my own goes to Varys for keeping Tyrion safe and cleaning the shit he made. (laughs) Literally, there you go. Emily Rugburn, (sighs) the majority of male nudity over female nudity gets my
0: own. I guess people did love that. It's about time.
1: And Steph Nelson says Lancel's new
0: haircut owns a pretty good haircut, looking pretty sharp.
2: Yeah, pretty sharp. Johan Spore says the high sparrow. For managing to bring back a character who hadn't been seen since season two, hashtag Lancel, with Kevin as a bonus, <laughs> bonus Lannisters. <laughs> Samantha Parker says Melisandra owned the wall by being warm. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly Johnson, my first own. Hello, Kelly. Welcome. This is
0: we need like the birthday people at any Spanish or Mexican restaurant to come out. Oh yeah! Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah. Happy, happy, happy own always day, make maker. We love you for doing own. So we wish you happy own day, <laughs> Then we'll be the next own. Yeah. Kelly's first ever own says the camera guy, cutting between Mance and Tormund. Owned my hopes for a possible show version of book spoilers. Oh, huh. That doesn't mean what I think it means. I'm going to be so bummed. This is the obligatory moment every episode where Zach. And yeah, I go, this happens. Uh? Uh, Mike is like fucking grinning about what he said before. Go
1: read an article by our good friend Terry Schwartz. She wrote oh. one uh, this past uh, week as it relates to that very topic. So uh, you'll get your answer if you go
0: there. Oh wow okay. That's all I'll say
2: Everybody go check that out Jen Cleveland Moore writes Own goes to Jon Snow For giving Mance his dignity And in that same gesture He embodied all the qualities Varys describes as needed In a ruler of the seven kingdoms He has my vote Heart 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 Please can we make that happen let's, That would let's, be I don't know how I feel about that Let's give him a wall to run first Roshni Bembwani says Own goes to Tywin's eye pillows <laughs> <laughs> Eye pillows Talk about piercing eyes that's true that creep me out
0: Evan Johnson writes, Owned to Lancel for joining the faith and getting fucking buff. Maybe the sparrow business will help the Lannisters after all. At Drowgrim on Twitter says, My own for the wars to come is 8 minute abs Lancel Lannister showing up and dropping dirt on Cersei with nary a fuck to give.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I hope that Twitter handle's not taking nary a fuck to give. <laughs>
0: to give. <laughs> Joanna Rice writes, Owned to that sparring partner kid who keeps owning Robin again and again and again. And then he owned with the side of a bird from Lloyd Royce. He swings a sword like a girl with palsy. Then my upcoming fanfiction own when I live journal a fighting pit scene pairing up Robin with a girl with palsy.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh God. God. Wow. Jeez, Our council member, small council member, Kim, yes. says his own goes to Melisandre for spicing things up at the wall. Her colors look amazing in the icy blue scenery. Plus, she's nuts. Bonus. She's crazy. Wenda the White Fawn, who we heard from earlier in the episode, says, Own goes to Dario for being the only person anywhere who can drop truth on Danny. Not to mention, that butt. Damn (laughs) ass, though. Hashtag Dario double own. I thought it said double down. I wanted a (laughs) sandwich. Scott Glennon writes, The own has to go to Viserion and Rhaegal. They had Mama running from the room.
2: Yeah, they did.
0: She sprinted. Well kind of jogged it Was a soft j
1: alex black in agreement with wenda says own goes to Dario for keeping it real with daenerys and giving her the quote truthful advice she needs to hear and for his butt gotta mention that
2: of course <laughs> well we heard from alan mcfarlane who says owned charles dance Woo! man after my own heart for being the first character to show up both physically and in the credits after being killed off in the previous season. Not bad. Rich E says, own Dolores Terrell for not giving a shit what people think of him. There's that. Yeah, that was pretty refreshing. Uh, Brittany Black, our friend, writes in and says, own goes to how bored Sansa looked having to watch Rob and Aaron get a beat down. (laughs) I will say that about her. She's not, you know, she doesn't take pleasure in other people's... uh, failures. Nathan Larson says first own goes to HBO for HBO Now. Second own goes to Mance. Quote, freedom to make my mistakes was all I ever wanted. Great line. Good ounce. Teresa says my own to Mance and Micah for throwing his fire quote right back at him. Ha.
1: Mm, I'm gonna
0: light the biggest fire the North (laughs) has ever seen. Oh no. (laughs) Except Except it's gonna gonna include me in it. Oh no. Jennifer Christian writes, Owned meaningful glances between Tormund and Mance. Thanks, God. guys. No comment. Kathleen Cotter owned the actress playing young Cersei for nailing the crazy eyes and not getting her hand chopped off when she dropped the "My father."
2: That's true. She did it better than she owned Jamie for that.
0: Alyssa Macaroni. Oh my God, <laughs> that's a good name. Writes Cersei to Jamie. At least Tyrion killed our father on purpose, but you killed him by accident. Over on Twitter, the old gods in Manu says.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice n- nice new uh, alias there, yeah, He's
0: been writing for a while. Own goes to Tyrion's simple brilliance. The future is shit, just like the past. John Brothers tweets
1: in. Own goes to Varus for taking care of Tyrion's business. In the crate hashtag shitwreck. <laughs> Maya Ginger Pozzolo says, Own to Marjorie for casually interrupting Loris and Oliver. Casually. Christopher Pennington, with an arrow straight to the heart of Mans. Jon Snow owned the Lord of Light. I did. William Hay, my own goes to Lancel Lannister for reminding Cersei about the wine and the boar that may yet come back to bite her.
0: I feel like it was mentioned for a reason. Daniel
1: Skyver at FireBats13 <laughs> <laughs> tweets in to say, My own goes to Jon Snow for being a fucking legend. <laughs> also, he's not a virgin. Hashtag, Elissandra got the flames for snow.
0: Get on you guys. <laughs> Getting
2: That's why she's so hot. She's standing next to Jon Snow. She's
0: like, I saw you in Pompeii. It was great. Well, the movie <laughs> was alright, but you looked wonderful. <laughs> you looked great. <laughs>
2: Aaron Kun says my own goes to Marjorie for being open-minded, as simply as it is. Hmm. House of Black and White at Velar Morgulus on Twitter says own to Sansa for, for being a foot taller <laughs> than Peter. Aww. <laughs> Jesper Carlson says own goes to Mance. Quote, I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. And then he walks out onto the pyre. Also bonus owned to John for ending his pain. Totally agree with that. Agreed. Shelby Rough. Owned the young Cersei for displaying proper bitchiness and for deciding to never change her hairstyle. <laughs> Margot Greybill, John owned the Lord of Light. Old gods be with him. Ra- <laughs> this is my I'm, this own gets my own. I think, raw Genoese Serna, one word, and they don't say one word. It's just one word, barbecue. Delicious Aww. though, I'd love some brisket. <laughs> I never knew he could smell so good. Chris Peralt says my own goes to Robert Aaron. He's off the boob and on the blade, <laughs> sort, sort of. of. <laughs> on Twitter, fame
0: one race model writes to us and says normally snow would get my own for mercy but Tyrion, puke and rally hashtag puke and rally hashtag where the whores go i think you might be the, the first sp- spam account to ever send us a known. unless you're not a spam <laughs> account i apologize <laughs> on twitter haley says my own goes to whoever the fuck was beating robin aaron down hashtag such a pussy oh god samantha jones from <laughs> sex in the city writes varus owned for this quote the Seven Kingdoms needs someone stronger than Tommen, but gentler than Stannis. A monarch who can intimidate the High Lords and inspire the people. And then, who said anything about to him? Ferris gets it. Danny and Tyrion would make the greatest team in all of Westeros. Suck. On Facebook, Blake Flo. Own clearly goes to Mance for going out like an old G. Which is gangster <laughs> in hood terms. He
1: was. He was kind of like gangster.
0: Chris miracle. My own goes to Tyrion drinking wine. Projectile vomiting said wine. And drinking more for good measure. Hmm. Delicious. Mm. Very good. Kelsey Wilmes, Onaveris Nobody's perfect. <laughs> He's a bit of a diva too. Yeah. Astute a little observation. Bit. He's Diva. K twenty
1: six D P relative of R2D Two says to Jamie and Cersei <laughs> who managed not to get it on in front of their dead dad. Good for them. Good point. Way to have self control, guys. Tavia Brooks. Regal and Viserion owned hashtag the Queen of Dragons. Poor Danny. Robin Escobar Rodriguez. The own goes to House Bolton for replacing the Direwolf of Stark at Winterfell in the opening credits. Did not think I was going to react so strongly to that change. It did hurt. It really did. I didn't see that. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. I know you guys talked about it on uh, Sunday's episode, but I need to pay closer attention, I guess. It hurt. Cato Dowd. My own goes to Nance. I think she means Mance. <laughs> try that again.
0: Are you sure? I think it might be Nance. It's old Nan and Mance Raider. They had a baby. Uh-huh.
2: We know that he was Beautiful. at Winterfell. He was checking up on uh, old Nan there. Mm. Yeah. She
1: says, own to Mance for not bending a knee and Jon Snow for, well, just being Jon
0: Snow. I understand, Kat. Yeah.
1: Louis-Philippe Pilon. <laughs> Melisandre owns a very powerful libido. That she does, Louis. Pamela Carrion.
0: Hello there. Pluisa.
1: <laughs> yes, Pluisa. She says, owned to John, shot Vance through the heart, because it was and the respectful to thing to blame. do. <laughs> he does know something, after <laughs> all. Well here. played, Pluisa. Well, we heard
2: well, from... Kenny Nelson, who says Robin Aaron for floundering better than anyone I know. Hashtag flounder forever. That's
0: the only time that hashtags ever been used, Kenny. I like it.
2: Old Paths Guide says my own goes to the male naked butts, owning more screen time than the surviving Starks. <laughs> wow.
0: Oh, poor...
2: Wow. wow, what a step! Well, it's easy when Arya's not in it. <laughs> yeah. are, are we going to get
1: the same owns when we see some female nudity in the next
2: couple I of don't episodes? Know. I doubt it. I doubt it. We'll find out. Supreme Commander says own goes to the dragons and their bad case of terrible twos. They grow up so fast here. Eric Lewis says my own goes to Viserion and Rhaegal acting exactly like I would if my mother locked me <laughs> up for weeks. <laughs> Hashtag what the hell, mom? Yeah, no shit, right? I totally agree. <laughs> I've been Sam Liver own to John for being the only eager young man not head over dick for Melisandre. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my Justin Van
0: on Facebook. Own goes to Tyrion's crate, which obviously put up with a ton of crap. But <laughs> um <laughs> He's <laughs> here <Alicia>. all week. <laughs> Alicia Lesperance, my own has to go to Dario's wonderfully sculpted ass. <laughs> People. Come on now. I love this. These owns are absolutely wonderful. You guys must follow up this strongly last week. I'm just going to put that in the middle of the segment. Sydney Steinhauer writes First own goes to Lancel's haircut. Second own to the show for owning us all by putting Peter and Sansa so close to Brienne and Pod. Ugh. Just watch that carriage go by. Kelsey Hunt on Twitter. My own goes to Marjorie Tyrell, whose smile only faltered once Cersei's back was turned. Yes, Queen. Yeah. Ida Oskov writes From over the big, big sea. My own goes to Melisandre for asking Jon if he's a virgin, and then smiling and saying good when he says no. Hashtag cougar alert. Miranda Sanks, own goes to
1: Varys, times three. One, throwing Tyrian shit overboard <laughs> line. Two, I didn't say you were perfect. And three, who said anything about him? Good ons. Stannis to Mance and... Taylor Swift's voice. Sing it,
0: Micah. <laughs> sing it,
1: Micah. <laughs> sing we gotta it. sing it together.
0: Uh, okay, i a count of count three. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and Ujwal Tweets in, Stannis to Mance in Taylor Swift's voice. So it's going to be forever, forever. or
2: it's going to (laughs) go down in flames. (laughs) Eric was the stage
0: actor of the group, so. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's true, that's true. Gave you the assist there, Micah, but go Um, on, please, tell me what uh, Brandon said. I just pulled my
0: headphones out, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So did
1: everyone else. (laughs) My own goes to the writers for another, quote, oh-so-close moment with Sansa passing by (laughs) Pod and Brienne. Hashtag, who's in the carriage? I
2: wonder who's in the carriage. Yeah. Colton
1: Underwood, owned to House Bolton for putting their freaking sigil in place of Winterfell's direwolf in the credit <laughs> sequence. All I'm going to say is, quote, the North remembers. Yeah, think we on that, do. Bolton's. Uh huh. Bridget McNeese, owned to Jon Snow for giving Mance a more dignified death and status plan for him. And what would be the opposite of an own? Whatever that is, I give it to Brienne for having another Stark girl slip past her so soon after losing Arya.
2: Maybe it's just an own because people can be owned for losing or winning, right? People. Can yeah, it's for, just an own. Yeah, don't, own. it's known. It's like people. it's like you can't do a square root of a negative number or something.
0: There is no opposite of an own. An own is an own.
2: Andrea Walker says my own goes to the production team. The crate actually looks like Tyrion <laughs> shoved poop through it. <laughs> Hashtag details.
0: It does. There is brown. Yes, it does.
2: They're
1: all about the details, those guys. Yeah.
2: And Melanie this. Joannides writes. Perhaps own goes to Marjorie. Perhaps Brandy Patterson says own to Loris. We're not giving a fuck what people <laughs> say about him. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and and Tyrion for the boot and rally. I didn't know there that it was is. a thing. Yeah. I, if, I did not know what a boot and rally was.
0: I've never so, done one,
2: but I've seen them done. I know what a keg stand is, but that too was a recent <laughs> oh, development. Eric. Brendan Fitzpatrick <laughs> says my own for the episode goes to the wall for giving Stannis and Davos that spectacular view and shot of them looking north. That's right. You're welcome, Davos and Stannis. You're welcome. Zach, finish this off. I
0: guess I'll wrap these up. We're nearing the end, folks. Gird your Ooh. loins. Jared Pillard writes, Tyrion owned <laughs> Illyrio's wine and then his carpet. Yeah, he needs to get a
1: little, uh, What's what's that? stuff called that get shit
0: out of the carpet oxyclean the shammy shammy yeah stuff then super shammy ferris got one of those under his robes <laughs> this one's from Jen wyman my own ghost of the first scene of the episode for being the show's first ever flashback i think we can yeah take a moment for a few clappies for that that's yeah we're, yeah. All, we're all happy khalil writes "Owned to dario for enticing danny in the middle of a sit down you like how i fondle these naked dagger ladies don't you i believe that she did amy christina a super late own goes to my girl Sansa for giving absolutely zero fucks about anything and looking ready to kick some major ass. What
2: are you going to do? Dice me?
0: And now, you fellas ready? Yes. <laughs> for our final own of our inaugural post-episode own spectacular, longtime listener Simon Obenson writes, Got to give an own to the actor who played young Cersei? That arrogant face only Cersei can pull was all I needed. <laughs> I guess you just I need just There I need. you have it, folks. I think that uh, we really
1: have set the bar extremely... Not us, actually. The listeners have set the bar extremely high for episode two of season five when it comes to owns because just the sheer number and the sheer diversity of owns that we received this week surpasses anything that we've ever gotten. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed by our listeners and i'm looking forward to see what they come up with next week
0: you guys have a lot to live up to yourselves and that's saying something so thank you on behalf of all of us again for participating and helping fuel a lot of this discussion we are obviously very obsessed and i think that that word sometimes has a negative connotation but not in our case now 267 now i guess 268 episodes into the show and i know that thousands of you have been with us for years now and as the audience grows and game of thrones becomes even more pervasive into the mainstream we it's it's very important to us that the community is is included in our show and that's one of the reasons why we even have a spare episode like this to include extra discussion and to also include so many of the words from you guys. And, uh, this was over 10 pages of owns that we collected and we're hoping to double that. So thank you again. (laughs) Yes. 20 pages next week, 20 pages. of It's for you guys. You guys are taking the time to write these in and we're, we're excited to include you in the programming because this is a, this is very, this is a very open program. This is something Mm -hmm. that we do for us and for you.
2: We also got an email and this is a wonderful email by a fellow named Gavin who writes into us and says my name is Gavin and I live in England in a small city close to the original wall Hadrian's wall ah mm. huh. I looked this up, dude. It's awesome. You guys got to check this out. Uh, I've been watching the show since last January and have not long finished the books. I've been listening to your show just under a year and thought the first episode of season five was as good a time as any to leave my first own. We do agree. Which has to go to Marjorie. The scene with her and Loris was the first time on the show that we've got to see a different side of her. Normally, you see her putting on a show or playing the game. Whereas the scene with her and Loris felt being real and honest for one of the first times. You could almost see her working out her next move. I agree. Definitely agree. I agree so much. I gave that Perhaps. my on Monday's episode. But uh, you worded it better, sir. Also, they say, really enjoyed listening to the show. It's part of my routine while walking the dog on a Wednesday on my day off. So keep up the good work. You keep up the good work. Yeah. yeah
1: keep walking that dog.
0: <laughs> along,
1: the,
2: along
0: the wall. Always
1: get to hear from people for the first time who have been listening to the show uh, for a while, like Gavin has, there are a number of ways that you can get in touch with us. We read a ton of owns that we received on Twitter and Facebook to contact us. Either of those ways, just tweet at us at game of owns or scroll upon our wall, facebook.com slash game of owns, or you can email us contact at gameofones.com. We always enjoy hearing from you no matter which way you choose to reach
0: out to us. Next week, we return after the airing of episode two. It will happen, but if you can't wait, you've decided that there's not enough Game of Owns in your life. You can consider donating to the cause, joining our long list of Bannermen, which we are very proud of, over at patreon.com slash goo. We have a shit ton, I'm I'm just going to say that, of extra content. We just posted today the Red Wedding reading between Eric and Micah, where they sat in a room and read the Red Wedding chapters with each other. And that was fabulous. I also had to edit that, and you guys (laughs) fucked up a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) and paused for trains a whole lot. So that was fun. That was a good time. And just in general, there's uh, we do – just just read everything there. We do a, a show every month that's full of extra content and videos, and a lot of it is kind of silly. A lot of it's Eric being filmed at Disney World, and he has no idea he's being filmed <laughs> at Disney World. Yes,
2: yes. That is a whole chapter. <laughs> in
0: general, it's something that we've gotten some really excellent feedback on from the people that have been listening to our show and, and supporting it for the longest time. And this is what helps us fuel into the next phase of what Game of Thrones is doing, and uh, it's some exciting stuff. So consider helping out
1: yeah and uh, one other way you can give back to the show is on itunes Uh, we are in the midst of uh, season five now and we know that there are going to be a lot of people out there looking for extra game of thrones content after the uh, show credits roll so uh, we appreciate our listeners going out there and giving us a review because it is the start of season five for whatever reason on iTunes nothing less than 5 stars is acceptable nothing. when you review the show uh, a great example of this uh, is from Timon Lannister Where's who Puma? I had no idea I had no idea uh that uh Timon was a was a Lannister uh but uh, he says best game of thrones podcast out there Thank you. Uh, I've tried five different Game of Thrones podcasts, and this go. one is definitely my favorite. Mm. It is a great mix of personalities who all bring their own unique take on the book and show, and it often has me reconsider my views on a particular topic based on the host addressing something <laughs> I may have missed or interpreted <laughs> differently. It has a great flow and is a great companion to have while going on a morning walk or, yeah, it seems to to. That's to cool work for people who are walking or walking their dogs whatever it may be i made my day
0: right there that's really nice
1: and then just one more here because these are fairly recent just in the last couple of days from jmo to 112 who also says uh best game of thrones podcast uh they started listening in october of 2015 and they've now listened to every episode yes i I think they're
2: from (laughs) the future it's like please Tell us Uh, how it ends. I'd love to know know what happens at the end of
0: the season. Tell uh, us, please. Maybe they
1: meant 2014. uh, But regardless, they've listened to every episode. So all 200 uh, (laughs) at the time, I'm assuming in 66 episodes. So uh, that is unbelievably impressive that in that short a period of time, you listen
0: to this many episodes. It's a lot of walks, (laughs) JMO2112. Yes.
1: uh, He or she is a book reader and they watch the show. Podcasts were pretty new to me. Now I'm so excited when there is a new episode. You guys are so great. I've tried some other Game of Thrones podcasts, and I'm just not feeling it. Uh, I enjoy... And by the way, this is this is what they've written. I'm not just like throwing that in there every time I read a <laughs> well, review. Hey, they're, they're,
0: they've made it this far. I enjoy
1: all the different contributors, even if they sometimes have a lot of Theon love. <laughs> okay. Damn it, Micah, J- J- you're fucking J-Mo knows what We knew about. that it
2: would rub people the wrong way. Didn't I tell uh, you, Micah, at, that that would rub deflecting. people the wrong way? Uh-huh. I am deflecting. Uh
1: sorry it's taking me such a long time to give a review, but I promise I've been talking you up to all of my friends. Really looking forward to the podcast during the new season.
0: Thank you. Thank, thank you Gino. everyone who sent in these reviews. It's incredibly nice and yeah. like Micah always says it, it really it helps. It definitely does
1: and uh you know, we uh we appreciate it. There's no other way that uh, we can say thank you enough than to just tell you it because we want other people to find the show. We want to join the conversation and uh, have as much fun listening as we do doing the show.
2: Well, guys, I'm going to need a tall drink of water and a nice, uh, quiet period in my room with the lights turned off to think about all the amazing things that we have talked to each other about in this episode, and of course, all those amazing owns, again, ruminating through my my recent memory, my short-term memory, because this was a very... Successful. What do we call it? Post-ep own spectacular uh, like follow-up that. discussion. Yes, absolutely, tr- truly enjoyable. And uh, it's a good time to be alive.
0: Almost more so than the next proper episode. I'm looking forward to the depth of the discussion and next week's equivalent of this. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you again for participating and uh, being yeah. so interested. This was a great time and I will also be ruminating as it were.
1: I'm just going to go and put that Game of Thrones episode 2 preview on the loop and just uh, have it on at home, at the office. It's going to replace episode 1 because uh, I'm just really excited to uh, head to Dorne, which looks like we're doing, and also head to Braavos.
0: So two really, really cool locations that we're going to get a chance to explore. Next week, letters from Dorne. But for now, goodbye.
2: We call this meeting of the Midnight Society. Close.